Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 Calgary West. So far. Okay, hook up. Well, happy Sunday to y'all. It's a great morning. I love Sundays. They're always such an exciting, sometimes terrifying time for me, but it's exciting to be here today. I just wanted to um, mention something. A couple things happened this week to me, and, um, you know, uh, I, 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 I've been asked to do this interview on a subsidiary of 100 Huntley Street. There's a, it's called um, Yes TV, and um, they wanted my story and um, how you... <laughs> transition from, um, you know, crazy drug dealer to Jesus guy. And um, I, it, he's such a, that other guy is so foreign to me. I, I'm, I'm like talking about some other person. And, um, and I said, well, only if this will help people, I'll share my story. And because I find that um, you know, it's easy to talk so much about darkness, you forget about light. And... Um, so then they, so we did that, and um, I was particularly challenged because he said, I want you to get some pictures of that old life and give them to us so we can put it on the TV for, so people can see what you were like. And um, so I went home and rifled through photo albums, um, found one or two pictures, and then threw them all away. Um, but I'll tell you what I was incredibly thankful for. He didn't tell me what the questions he was going to ask. But he asked this question, he said, um, he said, so tell us what it was like when you were far from God, like what was that like? And, um, and I told him, you know, in my life, I remember um, because of the generations of faith, the heritage of faith, and the, the at least four generations of praying, uh, grandparents and parents, that I always felt that there was a specific line that I could go up to and I couldn't go beyond that. And he said, could you explain that to me? And I thought, you know, the cameras were rolling. And I said, I'm not sure if I can. I'm not sure if I, I, but, but, uh, but here's what I knew. Here's what I knew is I could only go so far into the darkness. And I, I man, I, I ran hard and fast and strong. And um, some of that, you know, um, I think you've heard some of that story. I was raised in a Pentecostal church, and I got this hunger for spiritual, for spiritual life, but never had an experience of it. And so when you open up the door for spiritual hunger, you want to make sure that you've got feeding, you're feeding that hunger properly because there's, there's very negative, dangerous spiritual power as well. And, um, and I remember while I was yet a sinner, how Christ died for me. And he said, does this make it easier for you to pray for prodigals? And I said, probably, probably does. I have incredible faith for prodigals because if God can reach me, he can reach anybody, anybody. This is a testimony of Jesus that, that no one is outside of his reach. If, you're pray, if, you're, if you've been praying for a prodigal, I want to agree with you right now. I want to see who's praying for prodigals. All right. Jesus, uh, you reached me in incredibly dark places, 
And I know there was something about agreeing prayer that stopped me from going too far. So today we declare for each one of these that are running from you, Lord, let them, let that path change and let them be running to you and let them see that you're waiting with open arms and it's safe to come home. And we call prodigals home today in the mighty name of Jesus. And we declare that we'll see your hand upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I am so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for the church. Uh, without it, I would be a mess. And, um, but I just was thinking about that when we were singing about being surrounded, how we're surrounded. I could tell you some stories, we don't have the time, just about how I, would go, I could go just so far into, into the spiritual world because I was looking and experimented with lots of the occult and lots of different drugs and lots of different um, um, experiences, but there was nothing like finding Jesus, like nothing, like nothing. There, all the, all the, all the other, well, like the, like the Irishman said, on Christ the solid rock we stand. All, the, all other rocks are shamrocks. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I want to talk today about about boundaries and about 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 walls and gates that have been trampled or trespassed. And I want to pray that God would give us insight of how to establish boundaries and perimeters in our life. Um, the, um, thank you for that great response last week. Many people, I just continue to pray for you, getting, getting stirred up in, light, in, in, in your passion for God and passion for your dreams. And, um, and I keep, I, I do think of, of, I'm going to talk about different eras a little bit. Um, does anybody remember when there used to be a bag uh, person who would bag your groceries at a grocery store. Does anybody remember that? They don't even give you bags anymore. I, don't even, I can't even get a bag. Would you like a bag, sir? There used to be, this was, this was their, um, you know, their, their, their gym. You'd carry gro groceries out to people's cars. I remember that. I remember um, the uh, horror of, I'd tell the kids, I said, okay, I'm going to go out and get a movie. My grandson knows nothing about going out to get a movie. <laughs> Movies come to them. And, uh, and then you would finally find the one that you liked, and you'd take that carton, and to your horror, someone had taken that VHS tape, and now you have to keep looking. Um, these were, I try to remind my grandson, I will always be 50 years older than you, in case you think you can catch up. And um, yeah, and so we've, we live in different eras, and I think there's some things that we need to be careful of now that we didn't used to have to be cared for 20 and 30 years ago. And so I want to look at the book of Nehemiah, and I want to apply this to our life the best I can, uh, reading, beginning in chapter 2, reading verse 11 to 20. I'll do a quick little review. I'll share two very motivational points, and then I'm going to end with a commission today. Let's read chapter 2, verse 11. Three days after my arrival, you, you all know the story. You've been here. If not, read it. Chapter 1 and a half. He's in the, a winter palace, got one day. The walls have been burnt down for 140 years. Uh, all Jews know that. But this day, he got stirred up particularly, and God began to deal with his heart through a season, a six-month season of prayer. Uh, and then he, he goes before his king. He's a cupbearer. He's a wine taster in Babylon, where the wine wouldn't have been great. And um, he, uh, he goes before the king, and the king, this dialogue with the king is sensational. Um, I think this is a metaphor for us coming before the King of Kings, and uh, and I think that it's a great um, 
pattern of intercession, that chapter one, of how he identifies with the Jews, he's, and even though he's never been, uh, it seems like, like Jerusalem's not his town, but he takes it personally and feels this is a mandate for the entire purposes of God on the earth, which it, which it was. And, um, and so then the favor, it says the gracious hand or the favor of God was upon me. And then verse 3, he goes, so he gets permission to go back to Jerusalem and have a look. This is, he's living in Babylon in captivity. Three days after my arrival in Jerusalem, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anybody about the plans that God had placed in my heart. This is difficult for people like us that verbally process. He kept quiet. Um, he kept it to himself. But he says the plans that God had placed in my heart. Such an important part of you and I, and we're to guard that part of us. And he took, he said, we took no pack animals with us except a donkey that I myself was riding. And I went out through the valley gate past the jackal's well, over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burnt gates. That's my title this morning, broken walls and burnt gates. I went to the fountain gate, to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. There's too much, the walls were so knocked down, he couldn't get through. And... Um, you would have wondered, well, why wouldn't have someone cleared a path? Well, they got familiar with it, and they got comfortable with it, and just left it. And so uh, he said, my donkey couldn't get through, so I went up to the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back, entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know I'd been out there and what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anybody about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the religious, political leaders, the officials, or anybody else in the administration. But now I said to them... You know full well the tragedy of our city. He includes himself. It's our city. It's, he, it wasn't his city. But he identifies with the city. I'm going to ask us to identify with the city that we live in today. Our city. It lies in ruins. And gates are burnt. So let's, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Not you, but us. And rid ourselves of this disgrace. He says the walls are it's a disgrace to the purposes of God. And then I told him about how the gracious hand of God had been upon me and about my conversation with the king. Just the power of testimony and telling stories. And, then, and they replied, good, let's rise up and rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. And when Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plans, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing rebelling against the king like this, they asked. And I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. It's like the Blues Brothers. I'm on a mission from God. Uh, we, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no stake, you no claim in Jerusalem. Father, we thank you for your word that will speak to our hearts today. I want to talk about broken walls and burnt gates. Let me do a little bit of, um, just a little bit of recap. Not much, because I've done that a lot these days. Um, the, the walls had been crumbled. And the walls had been broken down, and it had made it unsafe in the city. In other words, any kind of animal, any type of enemy could march right in. And so walls are put up many times to keep some things out. But they're also put up to protect what's on the inside. Your home is a form of a, a city where you need to walk those walls and say, Lord... This is allowed in this home, and this is not. <laughs> we, we, we need to guard our, our perimeters and walk the walls. When every time my father-in-law comes, he says, let's walk the walls. What he means, tell me about the situation of the church. He wants to know that. 
um, lines of defense. Um, we, we found out last, over the last couple of weeks that because of the fall, when we disconnect with God, we, we, we disconnect with people. So somehow our disconnectedness with the Lord creates these two things, first of all, fear and then blame. seems like fear and blame are kind of relatives. And rather than taking responsibility, it wouldn't have been easy for Adam to say, yeah, well, I did that, it was my fault. But because of what took place at the fall, it distorted his relationship with the Lord, and then it distorted his relationship with Eve. Uh, so what, happened, what happens, the walls are down, God begins to speak to Nehemiah, he begins to pray, and may I just say to us, the most important thing about prayer is what you do after you say amen. <laughs> it's not enough just to talk to God about stuff. You have to decide that I'm going to act because of this dialogue that you and I have just had. And, and so that's what he did. He prayed for four to five months, and then he, and then he acted, and then he did something. Um, the, the, the excuses could easily have surfaced. And uh, I hear them sometimes, well, I'd give if I had more money, as if the people who are giving <laughs> have an endless supply. <laughs> That's part of the building that, making that work. Well, I'd serve if I had more time, as if people who are serving don't have anything else to do. <laughs> uh, we make a step, is what we do, is we, we step out and we, that begins a chain of action that takes place. And so the other excuse that he could have used, because... Uh, in Ezra, you'll find that they had tried rebuilding the walls in the past. This was a big project. Two to three miles, the wall. And um, they could have said, oh, we've tried that before. But it's interesting, after he spent that time in prayer, he told them the story of how God had put his hand upon him and how his dialogue with the king, that permission that he got from the king, gave him not only permission but it gave him provision to fulfill the mandate that God had put on his heart. This happens in prayer. Faith, faith begins to rise in our heart, and then favor begins to flow in our lives. That, that's how it works. And so he, he's, it's a call to action. And so this morning, I'm going to do that for all of us. It occurred to me this week when I shared some of our vision about the future uh, after our staff meeting they, a planning meeting, um, I was asked, so uh, what's the plan? And I go, yeah, good, good question. I don't know. I have no idea what the plan is. And okay, so then like, and, and, and where are the finances of this? I said, good, good question. I actually don't know. I've got some passion. I don't have the provision. I don't have the plan. But here's what I can do. I can pray. Let me rephrase that. We can pray. If it's God's purposes, I need, uh, it's not enough that one or two of us pray. We need to pray together. I'm going to call us to six months of prayer. I'm calling it the uprising. And, uh, and in that period of time, God will give us both permission and provision. Because my first point is God is in the strategies as well as in the victories. <laughs> we need strategies in order to fulfill his purpose. And God gave him a strategy. I think it's, it's easy. I think that. I think that he was both prayerful and careful. There's a certain time when you should talk about your vision. And then there's a certain time you need to just kind of hush up. <laughs> but you got to be very careful with your dream and your vision. Who do you talk to about it? Because it can get stolen and it can get destroyed very quickly. So 
so he has a, he's, he, he realizes that, that he's got a plan and it's come from God. And here's what happens is that he begins to take a, a realistic assessment of the situation. He goes out at night and he, and he assesses the situation. Here's what's important for us to be aware of is that we need to be realistic about our current situation. Sometimes we think, well, if the Holy Spirit's in it, you know, we'll just go along and then he'll fill in all the places. No, you have to be honest about where you're at right now. <laughs> we got to make an honest assessment of where we are. He's, he's been there for three days. He has a good rest. And then he begins to do something kind of interesting because leaders put, usually see both the potential as well as the problem. There's a tension that we live in as leaders. We can see the problem. I see the problem. We've got a city that needs Jesus. Uh, but I also see some of the restrictions and the limitations on that. So we pray. Um, many times leaders are awake when others are sleeping. But he goes out and he gets some accurate information. I have a slide I want to show you. Um, I just have a quick look. It's, it's kind of good many times when fresh eyes come into a situation. They can see things that others can't. This is a picture of basically what the walls would have looked like. They're, they're about two miles, maybe three miles uh, completely. It's kind of an interesting picture. But he does something, I, and I'm not sure why he does this, but he, he, he begins going counterclockwise, and you can read it and then follow it. It kind of goes counterclockwise around the walls. What's he doing? He's making an accurate assessment of what's, how big is the job. He's, he's having a look at stuff, and he's finding there's some places he can't even get through. There's so much rubble. He's probably wondering, how many people, how many man hours is this going to take? Uh, what kind of equipment are we going to need? What are we gonna, what's it going to take? It could be easy to get depressed at this point because he doesn't have the team yet. All he's got is the passion and the dream. doesn't have the team. But eventually he gets to the team because no, no project worth pursuing is done alone. We do it together. One's the loneliest number that you'll ever hear. So what you'll find later on in chapter 7 and 8, you'll find as he's repairing the wall, he doesn't go counterclockwise, he goes clockwise. Do you know why? I have no idea. <laughs> I just thought I'd give you that picture. I thought it would be helpful to have a look. He comes from the outside and he sees what thousands of Jews have seen for at least 140 years. But he sees it with different eyes. Because what he sees has happened is this great city of Jerusalem that's always been the apple of God's eye and fulfilling his purpose. That would be the birthplace of so many things from the future. He says God's purposes are being, being, being squelched. Somebody's got to do something. And he doesn't charge out and start to blab it. He's quiet and makes an accurate assessment of the situation. And he realizes that that two things have happened. The walls have been broken and the gates have been burned. And then he says, he finally, after he's made an assessment, he begins to share the vision. There was a specific time to share the vision. Leaders have to be aware of both motivation and opposition. Uh, if you lead a home, how are you motivating your family? You need to be aware that every home has opposition. Every marriage has an enemy. Every church has an enemy, has a variety of enemies. 
Every city has an enemy and an assignment. What I'm calling us to do as a church today is rise up into our purposes to fulfill the mandate that God has placed on C3 Calgary West to reach our city for Christ. That's, why, that's what I'm calling us to this morning. And, and there will be a commission. The, the, they anticipate some opposition. And, and you look at the format of the answer. He, he reminds people whose project it is, the God of heaven. I love that. It's the God of heaven. He reminds them who we are. We're just servants. That's all we are. And, um, and then he says, and you guys, you have nothing to do with this. <laughs> Silence the, the critics is what he does. I think it's interesting that we finally get to this place of, get the place of unity. Because eventually, we're told that actually unity is a function of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's present, there's unity. It's called unity of the Spirit. And we're not meant to create that. We're meant to preserve that. There already is unity in what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Okay, I'm coming to a a really important point now that I'm asking the Lord to speak to each one of us personally on. And that's about walls and gates, personal walls and gates. About 100, Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain, or the centuries will do no good. And um, so here's what he did. Is his, his primary mission was to reestablish walls and gates. You remember I shared last week that Nehemiah, word means comforter. He's the type of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, the first thing he does is he comes and inhabits you, it's called, you become now the temple of the Holy Spirit. This took place in the book of Ezra. The temple had been rebuilt. But then what he does in his plans of salvation, he reestablishes your perimeters and he reestablishes your gates, your access points of where, and if those walls and gates are broken down, the enemy has access into your being, your person. So the, the mandate today is twofold. One, it's to identify where your walls or your boundaries are broken down and where your gates have been burnt. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you. Broken walls and burnt gates. It's going to be hard to explain specifically. My grandpa used to say, don't take down a fence until you know why it's put up. Um, I think we're told in Scripture that there's you know, not to mess with boundary stones and certain parameters, certain things you don't touch. Um, l- let me try and say it this way. Is, is when we have, when our walls are burnt down, when our walls are broken down, anything has access to our life. And so what a, what a boundary is or a wall, it's a limit. So, so you need to do, we need to do two things. We need to put up, set limits to keep certain things out and then we need to set limits to keep certain things in. Do you hear me? It kind of works for, it works for both. And, if, and if, your, if, your, if your personal boundaries have been transgressed, you will feel violated. The reason you need boundaries in your life and walls in your life is because there's some crazy people in the world. I, I kind of I separate them as givers and takers. If you're a giver, Just be aware that there's going to be takers. You need to put up walls, barriers, to keep the takers out. I'm just just curious about what's going to happen in these next few minutes. Um, um, A boundary is a limit. We need to learn to differentiate between 
difficult people and people in a difficult season. They might be just going through a difficult season. And we need to be discerning of how we help. Um, uh, there's different types of boundaries and walls, physical, spiritual, social, emotional, financial. But we all give account for our own personal life. What is, what is a, a boundary or what might, how could we define uh, a, 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 a wall? A wall is what you get to say yes or no to. I think that no is a full sentence. You need, you need to be responsible to, enough to say, this is me, and that's not me. <laughs> and you stay at, well, I got a pretty big personal space. My wife doesn't. This far, no further. Like, I'm pretty good. Like, come on in, everybody. <laughs> I'm pretty good. But you get to say yes, or you get to say no to certain things. I had to ask one of our family members to leave our house once because I said, that language is not acceptable in this place. In here, where where we talk this way. If you want to talk that way, you go ahead out there, but not in here. I was, setting up, I was making a perimeter. You can tell when you put up a perimeter to people who have abused perimeters in the past is they get upset. Someone cares about you or loves you, they won't mind that you've got a perimeter. It's only the ones that like stepping over those. We need parameters because there's manipulative, controlling, and crazy people in the world. Sometimes they're within our own family. Many times. Most times. I'll leave it at that. I want you to know that Tobiah, Tobiah was a f- part of the family. He was a kin. He, he was kin. He, and he was a snitch. And, uh, but he was part of the family. I'm just going to ask a question here, personal family. Am I the only one that is aware of how certain things are invading our homes and we're welcoming them in. Am I the only one that... So let me just blow the whistle a little bit here and and talk about technology for a moment. The devil's not really in the devices. Device is just a device. You ever see two people in restaurants looking at each other or looking, they're scrolling and... I think we forgot how to have conversations. I've, here's, here's what we do. Social media has taught us to tell, not ask. We're all mini broadcasters. We're, 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 so in, we're so fascinated. We think the whole world's fascinated with us. And what we're eating. <laughs> I grew up in a time we didn't take pictures of our food. We ate this stuff. It's the strangest thing. Um... Here's what I, here's, I'm just trying to say something. I'm just trying to say something about technology, how it's snuck into our homes. Uh, I used to have to go look for a movie. Now the movies come looking for me. They stalk you, and they feed your habit of binge-watching. Listen, if you've got... The, the, the device is not the issue. <laughs> All the device does is reveal the issue of your heart. If you have workaholic tendencies... Gosh, you can work in the bathroom now while you're going to the bathroom. (laughs) Have you noticed that? Our our technology has permission to interrupt the most private moments of our life. Why? We just welcome it in. Hey, y'all, come on in. The bedroom, the living room. Vacation. 
Remember when you used to just sit on the beach and either read or, like, now everybody. Just, here's some, I'm, just, I'm just trying to remind us that that simple little thing, uh, technology, I think we need to have parameters. And we need to have some boundaries. Somehow it's transgressed our private worlds. And we need to somehow find ways to, we used to say no TV and no phone at the table, right? And we would know because it would ring. I'm not, gosh, in the 70s we could take it off the hook. <laughs> somehow you can't, that little buzz, wakes up all the dopamine in our system right away. I'm important, I'm really, really needed right now. I better get over your good self. You're not that important. <laughs> really, you're not. But somehow the thing that says, here's what you need is connection, has somehow created a culture of disconnection. Now you can be with people you love face to face, and you ignore them for some mysterious person on the other side of the world that's just had a something and wants to tell you about it. There needs to be parameters to technology in a home. <laughs> If, if, you have a, if you have a tendency to like to disconnect from people, you know what a device will do? It'll help you do that. But the device isn't the problem. When they were building the Great Wall of China, they were, so, they were concerned about enemies getting in. It wasn't the, wasn't the issue. Four times they, they were able to get in. It's because the, peop, the people doing the wall bribed the guards. It's not a great, big, nasty, terrible world out there that we need to be afraid of. You carry the light of the world. <laughs> They're waiting for the, the message. We, we need to, so, so there's other gates. I love that Jesus said, I'm a gate. He now, he now in my life, he is the one who regulates what comes and what goes in my life. Um, I'm just trying to say some things that I hope are helpful. Um, somehow, I don't, I don't know, I'm not particularly great at this. Uh, it's the same with the Sabbath. I should, you know, keep the Sabbath completely, you know, and maybe I, maybe I just need a Sabbath from technology. Maybe you just need a, I don't know, my son told me he's got a timer on his modem. I got a smart idea. Just shut her off. Um, of course, there's negative. Some people would say there's, you know, waves that are after us and whatever. I don't know. I think that there's enough stuff that's pretty obvious. Um, I'm, just, I'm just saying, we have that wall is broken down in many of our homes, myself included. And I'm kind of blowing the whistle. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just going to help us understand uh, how we need to take responsibility for irresponsible behavior. That's really what I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> um, set a wall, set a boundary. Uh, this, this, this reminds us, this, this helps us respect ourselves. And, um, and there's, there's easy answers for people who keep trans, transgressing your boundary. Here's one, no thank you. You don't have to give an explanation why you're not going to their thing. Uh, you, or you can say, I'm just not available. And, and if they ask why, you don't need to tell them. I'm just saying, if people respect your boundary, they'll be okay with that. Do you hear what I'm saying? They'll be fine with that. Sorry, not today. I like this one, not today, devil. You shouldn't say that to your close friends or your wife. <laughs> <clears throat> but you can, you, can certain say, you can say to people, uh, uh, do you know, I, you can't yell at me. I, that's unacceptable behavior. So I'm just going to walk away now. I don't think arguing ever helps. You don't negotiate with terrorists. These persons have no respect for your personal boundaries. Or your gates think they can just charge right in. Um, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, 
wrap up because I haven't, I've said almost enough. Your, your wall, restoring the walls and gates defines who you are and it creates safety. And it gives you the permission to choose. This is who I am and this is who I'm not. I'm asking that we would be aware of our own personal walls and gates that have been burnt down or broken today. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us how to reestablish those boundaries in our life. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to think of, like, this isn't new, you know. I remember as a teenager, well, my teenage kids, they lock themselves in their room. They're going to distance themselves. Or, you know, you, dad would throw himself into his work just to disconnect. The, the invitation I'm saying here, it's not... It's, it's saying, okay, Lord, who am I? Where have are, where are these walls or gates been burnt or broken or destroyed? And help us to reestablish them and protect the things that you've given to us and keep us secure and safe from those things that are trying to invade us. When the walls would be down in a city, if the walls were down, they would be open to all kinds of attack. How long will you let the enemy march in and steal from you and your family? If we don't act today, how much more territory will the enemy take? Rebuilding the wall was about reestablishing God's context to demonstrate his power and fulfill his promise to the nations. It was the hand of God in history. It's a link between personal vision and God's master plan for the nation. What's yours? Here's, here's what's ours. I'm going to state it this morning, and then I'm going to call for uh, two, two responses this morning. I'm commissioning what I'm calling the Nehemiah force. Uh, people who will pray at least once a week with another person in agreement for the purposes of God and the restoration of the walls and gates in the city of Calgary. So I'm asking for. Um, Isaiah 61, after that beautiful, beautiful, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says that, that those, those ones who've been anointed, they will rebuild ancient ruins. I'm not talking about going back to the 50s or 60s. I'm talking about staying current and, and what, are the, what, are the, what are the parameters and what are the walls that have been knocked down in our city? Our city needs Jesus. <laughs> uh, I'm so confident about that. And I know that he's called us to establish these beacons of light across our city, at least four, including this one. F five, at least. How are we going to do that? I'm not sure. How much is it going to cost? I'm not sure. More than I think. Probably at least $300,000. But about $100,000 per location, probably. How's that going to come? I don't know. We're going to pray. And, and then I'm going to give reports, regular reports of how the Lord is providing. I'm going to lay out the vision, and I'm going to ask for us to pray for the, 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 the lost in Calgary. I'm going to ask us to pray for a heart of, of God. Do we care about our city? Praying for a heart of God for our city. And I'm going to ask for, for us to together come up, find the plan that's on God's heart. We have a vision, and we can pray. Um, so I need your commitment today for that. I'm going to put an email up on the screen. I'd like you to email that. That'll come directly to me. It's called uprising at myc3church.ca. I think you've got a screen there, don't you? I hope you do. Uprising. That's all it is. Is it there? No. Yeah, right there. Uprising. What took place here in chapter 3 was an uprising. They said, okay, let's go, let's go do it. But before that required months of prayer. 
I'm going to ask for us as a church to pray for the next six months that God would give us his plan and provide, his, and, and, and provide for us what we need to fulfill this mission of restoring his good name in the city of Calgary. That's what I'm asking. And secondly, as we wrap up right now, we're going to stand and sing a, a chorus or two or something. I'm, I'm not sure what we're going to do. We're going to sing a little bit. But I want to pray for people this morning whose, whose, whose gates have been transgressed and that God would give you the courage to establish new boundaries in your life and new gates within your home. Maybe they're within your business. Maybe they're within your small group, whatever that is. So let's stand and sing this a chorus together. What do you want to say? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.